everybody. It's Jen the Builder. And Corey. And you are listening to Take the Elevator this Monday. Yes. Hello, everyone. <laughs> Hello. So, Jen, I got a question for you. How broke are all these Americans today? And I only say that before you answer. Okay. Because it's the day after Valentine's Day. And I would dare not do this the day before or any time before because I didn't want to ruin anybody's, right? <laughs> you know, plans of what they were going to do. Mm-hmm. So how broke are Americans today? Let me give you just one statistic before you answer that. Okay. Love sick shoppers shell out more than $21.8 billion in wow. Cupid's name each year. That makes Valentine's Day the third priciest holiday on the calendar for U.S. consumers. $21.8 billion. Yes. So how broke are we? $21.8 billion broke. Oh, that hurts. Yeah, yeah. And an interesting fact is that $21.8 billion, I think in the last year, they reported that a billion dollars more was spent and I'm going to ask you the question. Do you think it was spent on friends, on children, grandchildren, or pets? Well, you know I know the answer. Am I okay to answer it? Uh, Absolutely. The pets, of course. Yes. But before I go any further, I just wanted to say we had an awesome team huddle on Friday. And this is where all the trivial information came up that I'm about to share with you guys. Okay. That's a lot of money on pets. A billion dollars. Yeah. Well, we had this uh, surge in pet love that happened over the last couple of years. And especially with, you know, the, the pandemic happening. People had to be at home, and so they spent a lot more time with their animals and found that they really love their animals and that their animals love to be with them and working from home. So this is a good thing to some degree. You know, we don't want to be obsessed with our pets, but at the same time, we want to shell out some love and apparently shell out some money as well. Yeah. One more or two more questions, maybe. What is the most common gift given during Valentine's? Is it flowers, jewelry, chocolates, or cards? I would automatically think flowers. I'm not sure if I'm right on that one, but yeah, I would think flowers. That's what we all thought too, but it's actually jewelry. Oh, really? Yeah. And then we felt like, oh, we're getting duped because we're not getting jewelry. We're getting flowers. Duped and robbed. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So I hope everyone had an awesome weekend uh, together just celebrating love and your pets. Yeah. Yeah. And are you going to mention this new fad that's kicked in? Which fad? The Galentine. Oh, yes. So the new fad since 2017, I don't know how new that is, but it's fairly new. Definitely new to me. Right. Started 2017. So Galentine's, ladies, that was on the 12th, which was Friday. And I actually received a Galentine's Day card from Chelsea, none other. Oh, Chelsea. Yeah. And she gave me this really cool magnet, just very sweet. So Galentine's actually started in 2010. And it was in a comedy show called Parks and Recreation. And there's a character named Leslie. And what she did, she threw a Galentine's Day party for her girlfriend. So it just kind of stuck. And other people started doing that. So as you can kind of assume with the name, it's about your female friends and you're cheering them on. Yeah. Right. And just celebrating your women friends. And typically, you know, it's going out to dinner, having wine, going shopping, maybe doing a makeover, getting some massages, whatever it is that women like to do together. Now, when I say this, I don't want any dirty minded people jumping up. saying, (laughs) What is he saying? I appreciate girl love. And the reason why is because there are a lot of women that are out there working very hard and they're supporting their families and they're supporting their children. 
which is a part of their families, but sometimes it, it differs. And so if you have that opportunity to have a friend that's a girl that you can support and offer a dinner or a card or flowers or something to, hey, man, let's go with that. Let's let's enjoy that and let's do that. Absolutely. So there's a question that I'm going to pose because, you know, having to stay home kind of changes plans or it's changing how we're doing things. So I read a few things and I thought that was a great idea. A lot of women like to do paint night. Oh, you know, uh, there's this place nearby called Purple Easel. And actually the company we work for, Corey, just did a Purple Easel event for Black History. Okay. Yeah. Wasn't aware of that, but yeah. Yeah, okay. pretty good stuff. So there's another website that I visit and it's called Let's Make Art. You can buy the kits for a painting you want to do. So I thought, hey, my girlfriends and I can buy the same kit and then plan for a night on Zoom and paint together. Oh, that would be awesome. Yeah. Now, is that exclusive to girls? I mean, because, I think, <laughs> you know, some of the guys might want to jump in there. I don't want to paint a little bit. Well, then you all need to create a Palentine's Day. Oh, Lord, no. <laughs> Every We are going to share a couple of stories in honor of Black History Month. Nice. And I'm having such a good time with this, Corey, because it's truly information and stories that I did not know existed. And they're so inspirational and in honor of Black History Month, first and foremost, and the fact that we just spoke about Galentine's Day, I wanted to speak about a couple of women. And the first woman that you introduced me to is Mary Ellen Pleasant. Yes. She lived a good long life, 1814, although they really couldn't tell if it was 1814, somewhere to 1817. Not sure, but she passed away in 1904. Either way, about 90 years old. Right. Nice long life. So Mary Ellen Pleasant was actually born a slave and she was taken away from her parents and she became a bond servant to a family. I guess with bond servants, you have a certain amount of time that you serve as a slave and then you're freed. Is that right? That's correct. Uh, typically, it was seven years to be okay. a bond servant. You were working on your own will. You weren't feeling like you were being made to work. And this terminology dates back to Old Testament biblical time. Okay. So seven years. Mm -hmm. So she worked her way out of there. Eventually, Mary Ellen got married and her and her husband were slave stealers. And there's another phrase I didn't know. Oh, wow. Yeah. So they would steal slaves away from being slaves. And that's the Underground Railroad. Mm -hmm. And they would transfer them out. And her husband passed away and he was a wealthy man. And he left her money and instructions to continue the business, which she did. She honored that business. She ended up in California. Of all places. Hey, California. <laughs> and that's what I love about these stories. They're all centered around California. So she goes to California during the time of the gold rush and, you know, has taken slaves with her to the state. What I love about her is that during her time of being a slave, there was a lot of things that she learned along the way, cooking, cleaning, and things like that. So she continued to do that in California. So she would cook and she is quoted to say something along the lines of, 
of she sits still and is quiet and just listens. Oh, yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. So as she's cooking for these rich white businessmen, she's taking notes. And it's funny because she goes to California during the gold rush. What she ends up picking up is not nuggets of gold, but nuggets of valuable information. Yes. So where they're investing, guess what Mary Ellen does? She invests there as well. Now you're talking about investments as far as stock market, right? You know what? I don't really know if it was stock markets. I didn't see that part, but it was more real estate, you know, where to put your money, how to open up a business. Okay. So she took that information. So became, a form of stock. Yeah, yeah, I guess so. Yeah. Jen, I think it's also important that you point out that California was not a slavery state. Yes. It makes me even more proud to be Californian. Right. Yeah, they started off as not a slave state, absolutely not allowed in California. So back to her story, she becomes an entrepreneur. And the reason why I went with her skills as she was a bond servant, she capitalized on that. And actually her first business was a laundry service. Mm -hmm. And then she opened up a chain. And then you talk about support. She had a really good friend, a male friend. And because she was a woman of color, she did not put these businesses or do a lot of transactions transactions under her name it was such a good friend that these business existed in his name and they were partners and he gave her her fair share right so she opens up her businesses to real estate to being a financier a magnate so she was very respected very powerful and influential Absolutely. I mean, amazing. In fact, back then, so in the 1800s, she was worth $30 million dollars. That is incredible. Yeah. And so today that would pretty much be about a billion dollars. Here's Mary Ellen and what she's discovered, though, as she's setting up her empire and she builds like a 30 room mansion in San Francisco, just because she's wealthy and influential, racism does not overlook her. So she had an experience where she was going on a cable car and the driver straight up said, you're not allowed here, you're black. So what does Mary Ellen do? Dun, dun, dun. Yeah, she's (laughs) I'm going to take that to court. Right. And she did just that. She won. It was announced that people of color were absolutely allowed on cable cars. And so she changed the laws. In fact, she's known as the mother of human rights in California. That needs to be in the books. Absolutely. That needs to be in all our history books because that is inspirational just all the way around. And let's just tap into this just a little bit. So this wasn't just a person of color. This was a female, a woman Mm -hmm. of color. And it sets a standard for Everyone, because when you look at today's times, everyone has their struggles. Everyone, and I'm talking all nationalities, all people, all creeds, everyone has their struggles and everyone has their issues that they're trying to overcome. Mm -hmm. And here's a woman who is doing several things on the same front. She is capitalizing on what she knows how to do. She's not trying to do something outside of her skill set. She's also taking advantage of information being given to her or being talked about around her, which is not against the law. It's not illegal because Mm -hmm. she's not stealing people's ideas. And then she's also able to understand that she lives in a free state and people just can't do whatever they want to. And so let me uh, use my God-given laws and rights and say, I'm not going to just take this. I'm going to take it to court. And then I'll be able to further the movement. Corey, I just thought of something as you were saying that she didn't take freedom for granted because she knew what it was like to not be free. Exactly. And so when you don't have something and then you come across it and it's yours, that's when you start to see people move. And when you've become complacent or you take things for granted, 
It's like, eh, no big deal. To her, it was everything. Everything. Freedom was not something that she was given. In fact, exact opposite. I can't even imagine what her mom felt like when they took her away from her. And I don't know the story there. I don't know if that's recorded in history, why people of color and their babies were taken away. Oh, that's a really deep and good tale. Maybe we'll get mm. a chance to dive into that. But there was a specific reason why families were torn apart, especially the parents being taken away from the children. Mm. And it was along the lines of, and I'll just give you a little hint. Okay of helping erase the history of people of color. Well, we're here today and a lot of other people have been doing this, bringing it to the forefront of people's minds and bringing truth to light. Stay with us. We're going to come back with another truth story. Every day. I hope you are enjoying the stories that we're sharing, and I hope we're getting the facts exactly right. If you guys find something that I'm a little off on and Corey's a little off on, please let us know. We'd be happy to hear all about it. Love, love, love. Yeah, on jenthebuilder.com or on Instagram, Facebook, whichever way. Or you can text me if you have that number. The next person we're going to share about is a woman, Bridget Mason. She was known as Biddy Mason. Her story actually happens in California, but guys, a little more closer to home for Corey and I because a part of her story actually happened in San Bernardino. What? Yes, nice. San Bernardino. So let's talk about Biddy Mason. She was a slave in Mississippi. She was with a family and this family moved to Utah. So from Mississippi to Utah, that's about a 1500 mile trek, which Biddy did on feet. And she had her three children with her. Wow. Yeah. So you're talking about cold weathers, ice, snow, hot, all of it. So she's in Utah for a little bit. And then the family decides to go to none other than California. Sunny Southern California. Which was another 500 miles on her feet. And this is where San Bernardino comes in. She had to walk through the terrain of San Bernardino, the deserts and all that. So that's a total of 2,000 miles. Total of 2,000 miles wow. as a slave. And what do we say about California? No slaves. No slaves. Free yeah. state. Her and her kids continue to serve this family and are enslaved to them. Well, while Biddy's out and about, she becomes friends with black people who are actually free. So they're starting to educate her and be like, look, you're in a state where this is not allowed. Right. Biddy still doesn't move on anything. What ends up happening is this. When she was in Mississippi, Corey, when you're talking about the things that you grow up doing and the things that you become and it being something you pretty much know or are good at, mm -hmm. she actually was a midwife and she was actually known as the healer because she was just so good medically. Okay. So she takes this with her and now she's in California. Well, her family that she was working for um, decided they're going to move to Texas. And so Texas at that time had slaves. Slavery state. Yes, this is now. Okay, what what are you going to do? You know, it's now that or moment. Never. Yeah, yeah, now or never. She gathers up her strength and realizes this is a free state. So now she's taking the Smith family to court. What happened, though, in California is black people were not allowed to be in court to testify against white people. This so, is a fact. Right, that's a fact. So it's so cool, the events that happen here. The day of court, because what the family is saying is that they haven't enslaved them. They're free. They're actually choosing to be with them, and they're choosing to move to Texas with them. That's the story. So what happens is the day of court, Biddy's lawyer 
doesn't show up. Right. I don't know if that was on purpose, but one can kind of assume, hmm, that's a little suspicious. What this judge does, and I want to say his name because props to this judge, Benjamin Hayes. He does something that no one's ever heard of in California, and he takes Biddy into his chambers and has a conversation with her. During that conversation, by the way, guys, it's recorded. It's on the internet. You can read this conversation. She tells him the truth. Right. And what he says is if, look, if you choose to stay with his family, you can go to Texas, but your kids won't because your kids are minors and slavery is not allowed in California. So she's like, I don't want to go with him. You know, I want to be here with my kids. He rules, of course, unprecedented times. He rules in favor of Biddy and says, you are forever free. Forever. Can you imagine the sound of that to someone like Biddy, who all her life has only known slavery? Yeah. I mean, and the reason why I say yeah is because if you hear the word forever, you know that's eternal. There's no stopping that. Yes. So what does Biddy do? She becomes a doctor's assistant and she opens up a business for midwives. Back then, what she was worth was $7.5 million. Actually, that's what it would be today. She would have been a multimillionaire based on her business as an entrepreneur. Right. And she moved to Los Angeles and that's where she was centered, actually in downtown. And this part of her story I absolutely love as well. She had an open account at a store. So any family that was affected by floods, I'm guessing floods was like a big thing back then. Yeah, I'm sure that, sure it was. Yeah. And so if they needed help, they would just go to the store, buy what they wanted, and they put it on Biddy's account. Oh, that's so sweet. It absolutely is. It's pretty much all the details I got from her, but the takeaways are immense for me. It goes back again to your natural gifts, abilities, and talents and the way these two women capitalized on that and the way they viewed freedom because it was something that they didn't have. And my takeaway was, I am free to move. I am free to become an entrepreneur. I am free to be creative. There's nothing to hold me back. The law says I can pursue this. Absolutely, yeah. With all your hope and desire, you can pursue your idea of happiness. What were your takeaways listening to these two stories? My two takeaways, and I say two Mm -hmm. because they're two stories, was that do what you're good at. And doing what you're good at does not mean you have to spend multiple years in someone's school. Some people need that and some people have to have that. And we get that. We understand that. But what we also understand is that if you're good at something and you find a way to capitalize on that, do what you're good at. Number two, recognize your blessings when they're given to you. A lot of people have been in that very same situation where they had an opportunity to become free and didn't take it and ended up in a life of slavery. And I'm not talking about black people during slavery times. I'm talking about today. We have opportunities to be free and do what it is that we're We are good at and we opt to stay in slavery, in bondage and continue to operate in that manner. Don't do that. I'm going to end with this is there was no fear. You know, I could have thought of a dozen things to say. I shouldn't do this right now. If I was Biddy, I've got three kids. I don't know life outside of this, at least with current state. We've got food. We have a roof over our heads. I don't know what to do. That didn't stop her. She she was going to find a way. That's how much freedom meant to her. So I just want to ask you guys, ask us, how much does our freedom mean to us and what are we going to do with it? Yeah. Every
we are back. And this is our part of the program where it's called our P.S. For me, I didn't want to do injustice to Mary Ellen Pleasant and Biddy Mason. Uh, some key factors I left out uh, were things like Mary Ellen and exactly what she did. So she had a business as a restaurant owner. She also had a bed and breakfast. Yeah. So that was part of her business as well. Biddy Mason, there's so much more to her that I didn't share. She was known for herbal remedies, so truly a healer and not just a physical healer, but she ministered to the poor and she had a prison ministry. Wow. Yeah. I didn't know that either. Yeah. And so how she became wealthy was actually through buying land in Los Angeles. Then there's the story about when she did become free, that it was a wealthy black family by the name of the Owens that took her in and her kids and helped her through that time. And there's a love story in there, too. The Owens son fell in love with her daughter. I'd love to read more about that. Mm. And then as you read more into this stuff, you see that there was progress made. But with progress, there's struggle, Absolutely. you know, and and so it's not like, oh, happy ending. They continued to fight and continued to make their mark throughout history. There's a lot of ups and downs, but they just really made a mark. And Biddy Mason actually has a park after her in Los Angeles and a memorial. It was important for me to not do them injustice. And I looked up some books that we will eventually add to our library when we talk about Mary Ellen Pleasant. Even the books and the titles of the books are amazing for Enterprise, Place to Call Home, Heritage of Power, another book even called Streetwise. And so when you hear the titles of these books, it just could tell you about the women in itself. Books on Biddy Mason are called Becoming a Leader, A Place of Her Own, A Walking Sensation, which I thought was great because we mentioned the 2,000 miles she walked. And then another book is called From Slave to Businesswoman two women that I'm learning so much from. And I think when I tell the story, Corey, I just get so excited that I miss all the pieces. I mean, how can you really capture two powerful women in 20 minutes, yeah, you know? And that's, that, that's pretty tough. I love when you say, look it up, research it, find out for yourself. And so I have a few thoughts that I would like to share about Biddy Mason and Mary Ellen Pleasant, just two really incredible women with extreme circumstances that they just fought through, pushed through and made a very huge name for themselves in history. A history that's not told very much and not shared with a lot of people, but for the people that are searching for true understanding of what happened in American black history, incredible stories that have been motivating me for many years now. And so I just hope that the things that you've heard today will inspire you to dig a little deeper, whether you're black or not. And the reason why, if you're not, is because if you erase any part of history, it skews the whole vision of everything. So just keep that in mind. Well, you know us to take the elevator. Once again, we say look up and let's elevate. elevate. Every day